I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode number 185 for June 2nd, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about matching stain, rough versus smooth glue surfaces, tips for beating the summer heat, framing mirrors, and unique joints for a bed frame. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. When you spend weeks crafting the perfect box or cabinet, why would you use anything but the highest quality hardware? Russo has been making high-precision hardware here in the United States for over 20 years. The entire line is available in brass and stainless steel at brusso.com. While you're there, be sure to check out the new line of knife hinge installation templates. As a special offer to Wood Talk listeners, use the code WOODTALK at checkout for 10% off. Very cool, and welcome back, Brusso. Apparently we did something right the first time around. Yeah, I know. I, I was pretty shocked about that. I, I thought for sure they were like, oh, we talk. Why? That was such a waste of $50. Well, geez, what are we doing? Uh, well, you know what? Here's the cool thing. Wood Talk, 10% off. We mentioned that before. And I also mentioned in the past that hardware is one of those things that's not like you just go and buy it in advance. Uh, so it's nice to have that code again, because maybe you weren't in the market for hardware before, but you are now. And that code is active again. So 10% off of that hardware is a very, very good thing. And we all got a little sample pack from Bruso, which was really, really nice. And um, I don't know, maybe in a future show, we'll talk a little bit about what was in our little sample kits and uh, share that with uh, with our listeners. I'm going to talk will about say- how to use the router template. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon's yeah. got a problem with this one. <laughs> I, I really want to see an episode on that. That's going to be really awesome. <laughs> well, frankly, a knife hinge template is very compelling. I mean, knife hinges are not the easiest uh, hardware to install. It's very easy for something to be slightly off and your door just doesn't uh, doesn't operate properly. So uh, I'm very interested just to try it out and see see how that improves the installation process. You know, I, I will say that when those samples arrived, I have never I have never been the person that looks at a piece of hardware and you know suddenly is like inspired to build something. But quite honestly, not to blow smoke up anybody's whatever, these things are so beautiful. I, I have honestly found myself going, 
how can I incorporate that before it's been sitting around <laughs> far too long in my shop? I, yeah, I need right. to use that. Build a project just to have around the experience with it. Nice. Yeah, that's cool. Um, hey, real quick, I wanted to mention email signups for our little newsletter notifications. This is something we did in the past for Wood Talk. A lot of people really enjoyed it, but we unfortunately couldn't keep it going because we started to have to pay for a service to basically give you a notice via email anytime we post an episode. And it was just this pain in the butt process before. But fortunately, we found a new way to do it that's uh, very cool, very nice formatted emails. And every time we put up a show, immediately mm-hmm. it's going to send out a notification to your inbox to say, hey, Wood Talk, new episode is available. Click here and you can go listen to it. So if you want to sign up for that, go to woodtalkshow.com and there's a form in the left-hand column. All we need is your email. We're not going to spam you. It's not used for anything other than this purpose. Uh, We may, I don't know, maybe sometime in the future, if there's something Wood Talk related, we might send you a notification for that. So just a little little disclaimer there. But ultimately the purpose is... 10% off on spam. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Uh, But ultimately the purpose of this is just to let you know when the episodes are out. So a few people were kind of disappointed when we killed the last service we were using. So uh, you have an opportunity to sign back up. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. Just give us your email and that's it. Free has always been my favorite price. Isn't it though? So good. Uh, and also let's, uh, I guess we have some recurring donors here. We should probably thank Hugh H James H again, related, interesting sharing the same <laughs> last name. Uh, and also David, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Is it Picuto? Picuto. Yeah. Picuto? That's the uh, drunken it, woodworker. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Picuto or Picuto? Let's get this out of the way now. Yes. I'm saying Pachudo. <laughs> you and I'm say saying Pachuto. after a couple of beers, is Pachudo. You say Pachudo, I say Pachado. Uh, all right, and drunkenwoodworker.com is his website, and he threw a little support our way. We really appreciate that, David. And if you haven't checked out his show, uh, he, he does project videos as well, but the thing that I know him most from is his Friday videos, where he kind of recaps things that have happened in the woodworking community and other videos that are out there. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to watch every Friday. I look forward to it. Heck well, yeah. and his new thing is he quit his job, and it looks like... I mean, he's a web developer for a marketing agency, so he's, I think, going to try to freelance that. But big thing is he's going weekly on project videos now. Nice. So he's taking the YouTube world by storm. There you go. Right. Very, very cool. Cool. Good luck, Good with, luck that, with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that didn't come out right. The funny thing is we both, we both <laughs> said, and once again, thank luck. you, Shannon, for <laughs> insulting our audience. And it's a, yeah, hilarious to me because we both said, Good luck, except for mine was honest. <laughs> Yours and had Shannon's a, was kind of mm, clicky. Had a little and mean bit of, had a little bit of urine on it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, so that's why if anybody, when you meet us in per- person, if all three of us are there, that's why Mark and I kind of stand to the side and just watch Shannon like ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crap. That's great. All right. Let's move into what's on the bench. I like him. Yeah. Let's move into what's on the bench. Uh, I am working on some bent lamination stuff. So actually, I'm still covered in sawdust. I went right from the shop, ran in and got the show ready to roll. And uh, I need a shower badly, but I'm going to persevere here. Uh, So I've been doing a lot of flush trimming. So making the, uh, the, the bending forms for the bent lamination, which basically means you make one out of a piece of three quarter inch plywood and then apply that same curve to like eight more pieces to get the width that you need. And then you've got this big heavy duty bending form. So I've been doing a lot of that. Haven't actually bent anything yet. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, these, the, you know, it's taken me two days just to, to make these forms and that's two mark days which is basically like there's a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> like two normal people days, you would have definitely had it done sooner. So, But but David Marks always did it in like five minutes. Yeah, he did. He had like an MDF machine that just spits them out. 
You know? Well, he had the original 3D printer is what you're saying? I think so, yeah. Uh, it was definitely Ooh. a suspicious way that he would make those things so quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I can't wait to get into the, the bent lamination. It's not something I've done a lot of, but it's something I've always wanted to, to dive a lot more into uh, and spend some time in the world of, of bending wood by cutting it up into strips and then forcing it into a shape it doesn't want to be in. <laughs> you know, a lot of fun. The wind does that amazing, so you should have no problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, Shannon, what about you? Well, I, um, I'm still doing my shop renovation and kind of some poor planning on my part. I got the walls and everything framed out or furred out, however you say that, and uh, didn't have anything to put on it. <laughs> I oh. had to actually order the plywood. Unfortunately, I order it from where I work, but, <clears throat> you know, it's it's not exactly Amazon. <laughs> you order it and it shows up the next day. So it, that took a little bit of time and I ended up with last weekend where I didn't have the plywood to put up on the walls and I really couldn't do anything else because my shop's so small. I can't, I can't move stuff from one side of the shop to work on that side of the shop until one, the other side is finished. Mm-hmm. In other words, I need to hang stuff on the wall that needs plywood to be sheathed on it. So I was kind of sitting in this situation going, well, what am I going to do? I, I can't just not do something. And then I looked at my lumber rack and said, you know, I've been meaning to move that. So I built a lumber rack in my garden shed and I actually just blogged about it today. So I have moved every stick of lumber out of my shop and, and into my new um, David Marks-esque lumber shed, although not quite <laughs> as large and not filled with Clara walnut slabs. Yeah. But uh, it's awesome. It, it seems like such a tame thing, but it's one of the most exciting things I've done in my shop in a long time because cool. there is so much more room in there now. And I think it's really going to go a long way to help me kind of um, be, not so much be more organized, but to get rid of stuff. You know, if there's no just rack to stick that cutoff on, I have to really think about what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to end up with kind of a temporary landing pad or, or cubby or solution or whatever for this stuff to go on while you're building the project. And then when it's time to move on to the other project, you know, take a long, hard look at, do I get rid of that? What do I do with it? You know, Um, because I know shop spaces, you like a goldfish in a bowl, you kind of fill the space you have. So I'm pretty sure that I've got all this extra space now. And then, you know, six months from now, that extra space will be gone. So I can't kind of can't go back. So I've given up the lumber rack space. It's not like I can integrate a lumber rack later on without a whole lot of pain. So yeah. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited about that. And cool. I've got this really cool shed in the backyard that I can go and it's like shopping before <laughs> you know your new project. Let's go out to the lumber yard. Oh, look at me! I got to go to my lumber shed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Walk, it up. Then I'm going to my the second vacation home. <laughs> yeah. The, the big issue is. Um, <laughs> Make sure you don't step in dog crap on the way back. Yeah, very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Now, we, this is totally like one of those, since you're, since you're putting it out there, and we've had the discussion earlier about bugs, have you, have you bug bombed it? Or will you bug bomb it periodically? Or uh, are you concerned about that at all? Is this a non-issue? Should we move not on really, to the next topic? Not really. <laughs> Keep going, Not Matt. really Keep concerned going. about it um, because of the fact that all the lumber is kiln-dried and thoroughly dried. And um, in general, heartwood is not highly sought after by the bugs. What the bugs like is the sweet, sugary goodness of sapwood. 
It's not to say they don't go after the heartwood, but generally once it's kiln dried, a lot of that, those resins and those, the sap and stuff is baked out of it or baked hard and kind of transformed. So it really, it doesn't hold a lot of appeal to the bugs. Um, air dried doesn't have that issue because it's not really baked. So they will still go after it. Um, I think the best practice will be to kind of stack and restack it like maybe every six months to a year. Mainly just so I remember what I have. I mean, you, I was shocked at some of the stuff I pulled up on a rack going, wow, I didn't know I had any of that. Mm. <laughs> I found an eight quarter by 12 slab of genuine mahogany that I forgot that I had, nice. which is a crime. It's yeah. a crime that I didn't know that I had that. And well, I'm now that's where you that need to start doing that. the spreadsheets, Shannon. You're going to need a spreadsheet. You should have a clipboard as soon as you walk in. And every time you take a board out, mark on there exactly how much you removed and then make sure that they all equalize. Or you know what? You need some kind of QR code or barcode system so you can scan oh. the boards in and out as you use them. There we go. Or Actually, you just simply need to hire yards that do that. You nice. need to hire your own salty lumberyard guy to carry your lumber shed. <laughs> That's, there's the winner. That's what I'm going to do. Need to call him like Bud or something yeah, like that. That'd be great. So that like as you're picking the boards down, he starts getting impatient and letting you know that <laughs> exactly. you're taking too long. Just so you have the experience, you know. Yeah, and he can even do the thing where you're like, I need, I need that one that's right there on the bottom. <laughs> okay, I'll go get the dolly, and yeah. then he disappears. You just hear, you just hear. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice, good awesome. stuff, man. That sounds great. I, I can't wait to just write the classified ad for that. <laughs> Wanted grumpy lumberman. <laughs> Just get annoyed when I ask for stuff. Corner. Good deal. All right. Well, what about you, Matt? Uh, really, nothing's going on. You guys, I'm living vicariously through you. I have been recovering from allergies. Mm. I think we had a conversation a while ago, unfortunately for you guys, uh, and it sounded like, it's got some love and I don't feel good. And so it wasn't good. But... Just recently, as I'm starting to recover, we are cleaning out the garage. I just thought about this because we have a garage sale coming up. And speaking of uh, uh, st- lumber storage, we have this little area, this closet off the back of our uh, garage that would work out perfect for storing lumber. But Sam has decided that instead we're going to use it for like beach stuff and floors and yeah, these ridiculous household stuff. What's that wrong with her? Shoved in a basement. Dude, that's bull. I know. See what I you do though is you you just put like one rack out there. You know, I just need a place to store like ten boards. Hmm. You know, and you can put it up high. Well, high for you, Matt. And in other oh. words, at normal height for most people. That hurts. That was mean. <laughs> oh. Hey, at so least my feet aren't as abnormal. furry as they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But what happens is you kind of slowly expand, and she won't even notice. She won't even notice that you went from. You know, that little one shelf to maybe a second shelf just below it. And you just kind of slowly, under cover of darkness, move the boards out there. Yeah, no, um, we're talking about my wife. Yes, oh, okay. she'll, she'll notice. She's already has full on. She is my lumber person, and she has the full on attitude of <laughs> of your rusty the lumber man that you're going to be hiring. Yeah, this this <laughs> is a uh, very wife dependent. Uh, whether whether the system will work. <laughs> <You know>? yes, <laughs> yes. She's not home right now, so I can say my wife is not as understanding as yours. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Hey, one last thing I wanted to mention that I, I should have mentioned when I was talking before. This Friday, just in a couple of days here, we're going to be doing a live session with uh, Nicole and I, and it's going to be a new monthly 
show, I guess you want to call it. I don't know. Uh, basically, it's like a review of important stuff we found interesting during that month, stuff that I want to bring people's attention to. Maybe like a quick review of, of a tool or something in particular that's that's on my mind. So we're going to do this live. It's going to be during the day on Friday, which is a real different approach. Most of our live sessions are at night, but in order to fit this in, I've got to do it before my son comes home. So <laughs> yeah, so we're doing this at 1 p.m. Eastern. The first one kicks off. Uh, basically, it's going to be the first Friday of every month at 1 p.m. Eastern. And, you know, that may change if we decide we need to, but uh, it'll be on YouTube live. You can go to thewoodwhisper.com slash live and catch it there as well. And uh, this this week's topic is going to be makers versus woodworkers versus craftspeople. Like there's a, a lot of talk about makers these days. Uh, we're going to dive in and, and uh, give you some resources to look at for interesting things going on with the whole maker trend. So looking awesome. forward to that. Yeah, good Sweet. deal. All right, uh, let's jump into what's new. We got a bunch of stuff to share with you. Let's rip through this. First one was sent in by Steve, and it is robotic furniture. Basically, it's little robot balls. And oh, and those, I hope they're checking them out okay. <laughs> yeah, nobody kicks them. They're like modular robots in the shape of uh, you know balls that kind of move around and shift around, and they could move in unison to make furniture or be attached to other furniture. So that uh, one of the things they mentioned is like for assisted. Uh, purposes for folks who who maybe need their furniture to move around for various things. Uh, very intelligent computers doing all this stuff. It's it's kind of neat. So it's a whole video about it. So we'll uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Go check it out. Sweet. Cool. Well, you know, uh, Matt S sent us a really really cool, awesome wood art. In fact, uh, he thought it was a nice intersection between wood nerd. Hmm, we know that <laughs> and science fiction nerd. Oh my gosh, that's us. That's like a combination of us. Exactly. So this is made yeah. for us. Uh, the website is called SpaceWolfLimited.com. And if you head on over there, you'll find all sorts of uh, some of the products are, are laser engraved posters. There's like Frankenstein, uh, Dune, all sorts of just amazing uh, pictures on there. In fact, actually, oh, look, there's one from True Detective. Was there one uh, from Game of Thrones, too, or something like that? Yep, Game of Thrones is on there. Uh, in fact, I think he even has it broken down by like the, the, the actual house. Like the one I'm looking at right now is the House of Stark. <sighs> He also has wood engraved, uh, laser engraved wooden iPhone cases. Those are pretty sharp, too. There's a couple of them. I think if I pulled that out, people would be like, uh, step away from my family right now. Get back. Uh, he also has some, some journals and some really neat art pieces, some uh, necklaces, all that stuff, all sorts of jewelry. In fact, one is a, I don't know how well these would work in a fight, but it's supposed to be a pair of brass knuckles. But they're made of wood. Hopefully it's a dense wood. You're going to splinter someone to death with those things. That might actually work out in that case <laughs> far better. They could die of an infection later on. So anyway, so if you want to check that out again, the perfect combination of wood nerd and science fiction nerd, head on over to spacewolflimited.com. Cool. That's some cool stuff. I like that. I'm going to spend some time there. Well, Ned B. sent us another one of these old-timey videos. And I have to, I have to ask... Is it the same guy that narrates all of these old-timey videos? <laughs> Hello, folks. Today we're going to talk about, and it's the same dude. It's just Did everybody talk that way back in the, what I'm, I'm assuming this was about 19... Like 20s 15, and 30s. 19, yeah, they all sounded exactly the same. So I like I'm just to wondering think that's just the same guy. Yeah, like, have you ever seen the Family Guy skits where they do that, and they'll show, like, a <laughs> 20s radio guys, and, and just everybody talks like that? Yeah. Right. That's how I like to think the world was at the time. Well, you know, my next door neighbor is about that vintage, and I have to tell you, he talks like that. <laughs> okay. Hey, well, anyway, Matt, how you doing? This, is a, this is a British newsreel about how a briar pipe is made. And for those of you like me who looked at briar pipe and didn't know what that meant, it is not making water pipe. <laughs> it's making smoking pipes. 
And it's it's a neat little video. It's, you know, turn of the century um, manufacturing where they're taking these little blocks of wood and turning into what I would call, I know it's not a corn cob, but that's what I think of as a corn cob pipe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's one of those typical turn of the century videos where you cringe half of it because the guy's hand is like a <laughs> yeah. millimeter from the spinning blade with no guard whatsoever in our, our modern day sensibilities. And, you know, exposed things that spin at high speed and cut other things that are spinning at high speed with, you know, the guy's just standing there with like his hand inches from it. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun to to watch. But, you know, yeah. it's neat to see how a pipe is made. It is cool. Here's my favorite part of it. Ready? I got a little clip. The bowl now goes to a woman operator who finishes the shaping and smooths the surface on a sandpaper wheel. So it goes to a woman operator. A woman operator, <laughs> who, by the way, applies the finish with her middle finger. She basically flips you off through that entire clip. I would, Just, too, if I was, you know... <laughs> if, if I was a woman if, operator. If I was a woman at that time, and my my only job was, like, you know, to, to sand these pipes. Uh, but I bet you she had, like, the most smooth, supple fingers ever. <laughs> she uses palm olive, I'm sure. They probably look the same today. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Have you guys seen that the, something on Facebook that was going around where it was, like, 20... Uh, really old advertisements, like super duper scary sexist advertisements. Yes. Like hilarious, yeah. but scary because they're real. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I think I've said this before, but my wife gave me the original radio drama of Superman for my birthday a couple years ago. And this is like 1943, I think, up until like 1980 something. Like mm-hmm. the later episodes, Stan Lee does it narrates it right um but they, they include all the advertisements and it is the most sexist chauvinist prejudiced thing you've ever heard because of course during wartime they spend all their time talking about you know the germans and the japanese but they use right. much more demeaning terms for them and it's it's like everything we would be afraid to do mixing politics and religion and it, it's it's wonderful because it's so offensive. That's crazy. It's a, That's what's crazy horrible. is it wasn't that long ago. You know. Well, no. you know, I have to no. tell the story about my old prep tech at my previous lab. He was in his eighties, and he was one of these guys from that generation. And oh, yeah. I used to cringe every time the girls coming from the office, or excuse me, the office ladies would be coming from the office <laughs> to their cars. They had to pass by our our little side door to our lab. First, I'd hear the whistle. Then I'd hear, nice gams, dame. And then he'd start a whole bunch of other things. So as soon as I heard the whistle, I knew I had approximately 10 seconds to make it from my microscope to that door to slam it shut before we got our next call from security about having him removed permanently. Ooh, that is rough. That's rough. All right. Well, let's move on. We've got uh, another one here from Josh, and it's the HANA cabinet. And I know we looked at some of these other, like, really ornate cabinets in the past. Uh, this one is right up there. Uh, it, they, they all suck compared to this one. <laughs> yeah, this Let's is just one. Be real. Well, this is one of those things I, I jokingly said on um, Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I might knock one of these out this weekend. Uh, this is like, a, from what I understand, a seven year project. And the guy who made this, you guys remember Kaleo, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, the guy who made this, I guess, taught either a class or he uh, Kaleo studied under him or something. He he knows the guy, and he invested like six or seven years in this build, and, and that's that's the part that I want to know more about is the economics of it. Like, how do you devote that much time to one piece of furniture that hasn't actually even sold yet? From what I understand, you know, I guess you have to be independently wealthy, or you just have a business that's thriving in under other areas that you could take that much time. Uh, but I I'm got glad- the impression that it was like a personal project. Yeah, like, just like I, that. You know, nights and weekends. Granted, seven years is still impressive, but I don't think he like worked on it as his job for seven years. I don't know, man. <laughs> some of that detail there, it's uh, yeah, it's impressive. I mean, uh, and some of the details are almost. 
uh, scary, like the ebony, uh, they're like vertical elements that he has on there that are made from ebony, but then veneered. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. really? The drawer bottoms, <laughs> not the, not the drawer bottoms, the bottom of the drawer bottoms have like intricate marquetry in them. It's yeah. just nuts. It's a level of insanity. I don't think any of us will ever even attempt to get to, but, uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. I'm glad this guy did it because then we can all enjoy looking at it. Right. Uh, so we can always say, well, I don't know if I'll ever get to that level. I'll just stay where I am. Yeah. It's well, it's great for, for humbling you. Anytime you, anytime oh, you yeah. think you're remotely good at woodworking, just go look at this cabinet and be like, yep, I need to read some more. <laughs> <laughs> a little more practice, maybe. Go back to school. Actually, I think the thing is you need to stop reading and just start doing. That's that's what it is. Yes, as per our, our recent show, we uh, realized that. Uh, right. Okay. Who's, who's well, hey, we have this one from George M. And, you know, the funny thing is he says, I thought you guys would enjoy this. It's a horse-powered sawmill in Belize. So I watched this video. Pretty impressive. Pretty mm-hmm. neat. Felt kind of sorry for those ponies. But more important, I just had some friends come back from Belize, and their videos look nothing like this. They are making complete... <laughs> buttholes of themselves there so it kind of works out a little bit nice Uh, they are running around in circles at one point but this is this is pretty neat in fact at first i was questioning is this really a belize i mean sure there are some palm trees and some jungle type fawnery amish people running that's what i was thinking i'm like i didn't (laughs) know that they went they might i Wow, I didn't know I that they know. hated the English that much. Interesting. Hey, you know, speaking of uh, horses running in circles, that, that was going to be the tagline for Wood Talk. Until yeah. Robot Balls came up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, another thing from uh, Alan. It's entitled The 13 Coolest Things Made from Wood. And um, I got to admit, there's some pretty cool things here. Things like wooden scooters and, well, the wooden computer is pretty awesome, but... It would be really cool if it were treadle powered just to kind of keep with that whole theme. Uh, you know, cars, motorcycles, alarm clocks. What I like, though, is the wooden Wally sculpture because it's oh, like yes. so dead on accurate of the Pixar character Wally that it, it boggles the mind. So, yeah, Hannah Cabinet, whatever, is a Wally sculpture. So it's, it's, it's one of those kind of you, you're seeing a lot of this on the web lately where, you know, top 10 reasons why. And there's like a gallery of things. But this is actually pretty cool. Wooden TV. Yeah, it's very nice. Nice. Check it out. There, Good check stuff. it out. And then um, the last one just kind of got glommed on the end here. This is from uh, Neil. Um, he sent this to me via a DM on Twitter. And it's a YouTube video called Programming with Hand Tools. And I'll warn you, it's an hour long. It's a lecture. And at first I thought it might have been a TED Talk or whatever, but it's actually a guy who's talking about uh, a software platform. But he spends – he's obviously a woodworker. And I'll be honest, I haven't been able to watch the whole thing. I got about 15 minutes into it and immediately marked it watch later because his philosophy is – you know, how things have changed, how, you know, back in the day when people talk like this, um, we made everything by hand. There was no other option. And how industrialization and modern manufacturing processes have allowed us to automate things, but yet have um, either quality has suffered or we've become detached with it. It's kind of the same theme that that you hear in the hand tool circles a lot. And also a little bit kind of like what Mike Rowe was talking about with the skills gap couple episodes ago when we brought up Mike Rowe. Right. Um, he relates that back to programming and how like computer programming and how automation has lost the art of some of this stuff. And it's a really um, very elegant comparison, but there's a lot of really cool um, just kind of philosophy on why we make stuff 
So it might actually play a little bit in what you're talking about this Friday, Mark. But um, sure, it's definitely it's a very intelligent, very very cool presentation. I just think, you know, the guy went to such lengths with his slides and photographs and everything, showing different types of tools and how things were made, only to make a point on. If I believe, if I understand correctly, a sales pitch for his software platform. Hey, so, it's kind of cool. It looked like cool. a, almost like a sales pitch for Lee Valley when I was yeah. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of them is like a Veritas tool. But it's it's very kind of deep thoughts. Yeah. So you know, don't 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 watch uh, Dave Pachuto's show and be three beers in when you go to pick <laughs> up watching this. Well, you know what the problem with modern woodworking is? There's not enough woman operators. That's right. <laughs> we need more of those. Golly gee, Smith, we got to move on to this next one. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the poll of the week. Uh, this is another great question from Tom. He says, right now, this very minute, how clean is your shop? Oh, good Lord. Yeah, and there's a lot of answers. I'm not going to read all of these. We've got about uh, 590 responses at this point. But uh, go ahead and, and go to the website and take a look at that. But uh, uh, pretty interesting. And th- th- he posted a picture of his shop, which looks like a bomb went off. And I'm sure most people's do if you just kind of randomly take a look at it. Um, right. Yeah, so uh, very, very cool stuff. And I uh, got a kickback here. This time it's a voicemail kickback from Brian. Hey, fellas, this is Brian. Uh, love the show. Uh, great work. Just have a quick uh, couple comments about the conversation you had two episodes ago about the amount of woodworking content. You know, I think one thing that, that you guys maybe didn't mention was a lot of us have, you know, day jobs in offices where, you know, we, we would love to spend some of that time in the shop, but obviously you're kind of chained to a desk. So, it's really nice to have some content to be able to, you know, get your woodworking fix while you're at work. On top of that, uh, you know, there's a, plenty of shows on TV like Ask This Old House or even just regular This Old House or that show How It's Made, um, you know, that even though I might never level a foundation or, you know, redo my bathroom or do whatever plumbing project, I still think it's cool to just see how it's done and just kind of interesting and I bet there are plenty of people that consume woodworking content that feel the same way, that maybe they'll never build a, you know, platform bed or, you know, a, a Morris chair, but they're, they think it's really cool to just kind of see how it's done and, and interesting and, and whatever. I think it's, it's undeniably a good thing that, uh, like Mark said, you know, the more you kind of get people involved in the craft, even if some people are getting bogged down, it's not necessarily a bad thing. So thanks a lot for what you do, guys. I uh, love the show. Bye. Thanks for your thoughts on that, Brian. And uh, just a just a friendly reminder because we appreciate all of our voicemails and we want to play them all. You got to keep these things under a minute. That that one I did have to edit down from two and a half minutes to what you just heard. So that's right. the short so version. Leave plenty of space for me to interrupt everybody as they're talking and also to make jokes <laughs> right. that nobody will get, and then I'll have to explain and apologize for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, the alt- only reason we let that go longer than a minute is he was just blowing a lot of sunshine our way. So which yeah. we like, we like to hear that. <laughs> well, and the thing is, I don't like to ever delete a voicemail. It's so cool that people take the time to call us and talk to us, and I want to celebrate that. Uh, but we do, as we heard from some other people, long voicemails really start to grate on uh, the listeners' nerves. So uh, we have to try to be careful with that. Um, right. So blame your fellow listeners. We love you guys calling in. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going right to voicemail here, this was uh, kind of scary, made me a little bit nervous, but you never know what we're going to get in our voicemail inbox. So, you know, sometimes it's like a doctor calling or uh, someone who clearly has the wrong number, but this one makes me a little nervous. This is the council. For mysterious woodworking. 
has come to our attention. You are sharing secrets with common people. This must stop. Consider this your warning. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm scared now. It, nice. Like I said before, I think it explains that panel van that's been parked out in front of my house. Hmm. <laughs> Who do you think's behind this? Who's the? It might be fine woodworking. It's the Court of Owls. <laughs> the Court of Owls, yes. There's probably nice. the guy that came up with uh, Hannah's desk. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Although this guy sounded, was he this guy Australian or British? What was he trying to do there? I don't know. Um, I think yes. he was going for the um, Tim, the Keeper of Secrets and the Holy Grail. There you go. What <laughs> is your name? All right, good stuff. Uh, let's move on to Jason's question about staining. Hi, this is Jason from Cheshire. I have two items. First, I have a little bit of feedback from last week's episode. Okay, now that knocked me for a loop for a second. I had to think about it. Do you know what that was? Uh, What was our feedback? (laughs) Think think about what the last episode was. It was my uh, baked beans recipe. Oh, Oh, okay. I was going to say, it sounded like you farted on the, the, the... Microphone, but that, I didn't yes. want to prove to everybody that I am actually five years old, so I wasn't <laughs> well, going to say that out loud. Apparently, our then audience it does explain the sudden burst of laughter that I felt. <laughs> yeah, our audience <laughs> is very much like we are, apparently. So uh, <laughs> I just thought I had a feeling like when I first heard that, I'm like, I don't know what what is what's going on here. And then I thought about what the last episode was. I was like, Oh, there you go. Well done, Jason. <laughs> you know, if I'd have heard that in the middle of the night while I was sleeping, I would have identified it right away, even though my spouse denies it ever happens. Right. All right. Let's continue on to his actual question. I have a question about matching stain. I have a um, two nightstands in my bedroom, and I want to make a hamper to match. Uh, the style, and then ideally I'd like to um, get the same stain, uh, the same same tone. These were custom-made, but the place that I bought them from is out of business, so I have no way of finding out exactly what stain was used and tones and all that. Is there a way to uh, bring a door into a store? Is there any kind of way to match stain the same way paint on a car would be matched at a body shop? Uh, is there any other way to do that? I definitely appreciate any help you could give me. Uh, Baba Booey. <laughs> Baba Booey to you as well, <laughs> sir. <It's hot. laughs> uh, yeah, there is a way to do that. Exactly what you said. You can actually bring part of you know a piece from the furniture that has the color you want. You can go to a paint store and you can see they might be able to help you try to find a match. You could also go to a woodworking supply store. I know at Rockler, I can't speak for Woodcraft, uh, but I do know at Rockler, if you go in there with something that you're trying to match and you bring a board that they can use for testing, they've got a bunch of this stuff that's open. Uh, and typically they'll sit there with you and, and try to see if they could find a match. So you don't have to buy 20 different cans uh, looking for the closest match possible. Um, so yeah, definitely bring some stuff around. Call your local uh, you know, Sherwin-Williams or Frazee. See if they'll be able to do some kind of a match for you. And uh, also check out the woodworking store. I've, I've seen plenty of people in my local Rockler um, who don't necessarily look like woodworkers. They're just kind of people who took on a refinishing job or something, and they're just desperate to find a stain to match. And uh, the, the guys at Rockler are always there to help them out. So um, that might be worth looking into. 
Right. I know that uh, I've heard people talk about uh, even like our supplies. If you get those color wheels, mm. sometimes you can almost do that. But I think that's one of those you have to be, really have a background in order to be able to, to match up colors. So It can be tricky. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think the fewest number of products possible is probably a good idea. Yeah. So I need one-tenth of amber <laughs> along with one-sixty-fourth of yeah, that's no fun mixing. Yeah, um, that's going to involve a lot of secrets, and the woodworking council is going to show up at your door. That's yeah. right. Their cargo van is going to be parked out right in front of you. You're going to get that voicemail next. Uh, all right, next one here is from Bob. He's got a question about rough versus smooth in terms of uh, gluing boards up. Hello, this is Bob calling from San Diego. I had a question. I uh, just wondered if you guys had uh, any uh, experience or information regarding uh, smooth wood and rough wood, uh, you know, like just say you're, you know, gluing two pieces together. Is it, uh, a stronger joint if the wood has been roughed up a little, or is it perfectly plain, smooth, you know, or scraped smooth? Um, just curious is, uh, if there's a, you know, any advantage or disadvantage to, uh, to, to those two, um, different, uh, you know, um, smoother yeah, let me help you there bob um <laughs> if, uh, okay so <laughs> what do you guys I think that's what people are talking about with voicemails yeah so well sometimes they i mean the thing is people tend to freeze a little bit when they when they start leaving voicemails because they know this is going to be put on the air and we might laugh at it so <laughs> and <laughs> i have to tell you sense. i do the same thing every time i have to call samantha and explain myself so bob i'm right there with you i know what it's like yeah now this is a is this something you guys like just to put it in a in a sort of a very realistic perspective. Is this something you even think about? Not until Bob mentioned it. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, frankly, I don't think there's really too much of a difference. There may be, and when we certainly haven't done tests to say for sure. Um, but you know, what we consider rough as woodworkers in a lot of senses is fairly smooth <laughs> like yes, to the rest yeah. of the world. Right. So if you're saying, Oh, well it's a one twenty grit surface or uh, right off of the tool, um, that's still a fairly smooth surface. And as long as that joint line is not, uh, you know, more made more visible by like a washboard effect from a jointer or something, I don't think you really have anything to worry about either way. I wouldn't go through too much trouble, but if it's uh, you know, if you've got the skills to do it and maybe you've jointed the boards, I'm a big fan of, of taking a smoothing plane and just giving it a, a quick pass, knock down some of those really high points, smooth it out a little bit. And that, I don't know that it makes the joint stronger, but it certainly makes the joint look better. If you can yeah. do that. Um, right. but I don't, I mean, at least from my experience, I can't claim that there, there's any major difference between gluing a smooth surface and gluing a, a somewhat rough surface. Uh, I think it was a couple episodes ago. Somebody brought up the whole, you know, is it really a glue line blade? And I think at that point I said, wait, I wasn't supposed to glue that up. All of my years of using a table saw, I just glued it up off the table. saw. I didn't know I was supposed to do something else to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's very little to worry about. All right. Okay, let's jump into our emails. I got one here from John. He says, the question is mostly aimed at Mark, but feel free to pitch in as required. I live in Phoenix, and uh, my shop is a three-car garage. It is hot. Yes, yes, it is. It's getting hotter <laughs> by the day. 108, I think the other day was. Mm, oh, what? It's a dry heat. 
<laughs> it is. He says, it's <laughs> it's hot, really hot. I was wondering if Mark had any advice on keeping the temperature down to about 90 degrees, which is my maximum comfortable working temperature when I have my fans on. I've got two fans that circulate air, and I open the doors to generate some circulation. I've considered a portable AC unit, which seems expensive and inefficient, placing a block of ice in front of my fan to cool the air down or get a misting fan, which seems like it might rust the tools. Any tried and true solutions, ideas? Thanks. Okay, yes. The tried and true solution is to insulate the garage and buy an air conditioner. And when you're having it insulated, don't let the guy stand on your joint or bed. (laughs) They they will do that. (laughs) Um, Well, as someone who has retrofitted uh, two garages in in my time, this is something that actually is not that expensive to do. And, you know, again, it kind of makes a mess. Like you said, these guys are like uh, bulls in a china shop. But uh, they basically will come in, they will punch holes in the wall and pump in insulation into the walls. And they'll, they'll also do it over, you know, in your crawl space above the, the garage as well. And it's really not that pricey to do. So if you can do that and, and get the place sealed up a little bit, then it may not be such a inefficient thing to do. If you want to get that air conditioner in there, that will help. Short of that, everything else, and this is, you know, just my personal experience, everything else is a very sad compromise. Uh, because it just sucks. It's so hot. And then, uh, you know, what I did was added a swamp cooler. Swamp coolers are pretty, you know, fairly efficient. It's basically just a big uh, giant fan and uh, water circulating around it. And it will cool the space. You you have the right setup there with multiple fans and good air circulation because you need that. The swamp cooler is going to raise the humidity of the room, but you need the humidity to leave almost as quickly as it enters the room. Otherwise, it builds up, and now you don't have that dry heat that Matt was making a joke about. <laughs> and you think 108 is hot with uh, 5% humidity? Try it at 35% humidity. That's, uh, right, that's seriously. really no fun. People move to Phoenix to get away from the summers that Matt and I have. Don't yeah. in, you know, artificially create that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and also that buildup of humidity is bad for the tools. So what I used to do is I would run the swamp cooler. I'd make sure there's good cross ventilation. And then at the end of the day, I would actually shut down the swamp cooler, but keep the air circulation on. Get all that moist air back out of the shop, then close the things up. And that can help. That can help for certain times of the year. But as soon as the humidity level, uh, we get into like monsoon, um, it says something, I don't know about weather terminology, something to do with the dew point or whatever. It gets to a certain point where it's no longer effective and you can't get anything from the swamp cooler. It just feels like, you know, wet air. Uh, mm. and that's when those misters that, that all the restaurants and things that, uh, you know, before you walk in, you're usually doused with water pee water I like to think of it as because it's like all like dirty recycled water but uh, it's probably not but I always think it is uh, and that's just the norm as uh, around here these buildings are built with these misters outside to kind of cool you off as you're on your way in so um, that just doesn't work that well in the later parts of the summer so um, frankly other than that there's just not much you can do I, I hate to say it. it that was one of my painful realizations when I moved here was that oh I'm going to tough it out just because I'm determined to make this business work that lasted for a short amount of time before I was just like, this sucks. I need to find a way to insulate this place and get in some decent air conditioning. So um, well, yeah, there, I don't have def- a, th- go ahead, Matt. No, you go ahead. You've got more of it. You're in a situation similar in a way to Mark than I am. I'm in a basement. It's the same yeah. temperature year round. <laughs> it's cool all the time, but that's just because the who's in there. Well, that's yeah, because I'm in there, but the cool temperature is not bad either. No, I mean, I have obviously a one-car garage, so that's that's the biggest issue is he's got a much, much larger space, but I, I put on a window unit, and it's not a 
you know, fancy, efficient one. Yeah. I bought the thing at Walmart. It was in that big stack of air conditioners that they sell in the middle of July here. So right. I'm sure there's, you know, many, many, many different units that would be much more energy efficient than this one. But I didn't even notice the change in my electric bill. It, it's, it's such a small unit. It doesn't pull that much um, current that mm-hmm. it even made a difference. Wow. Um, so, and again, it's because I have a one-car garage. But it may be, you know, maybe you don't heat the other side as much, but you position like your workbench or your table saw, where we spend the most time, like right in front of the AC unit. Um, and you just know that, yeah, it's going to be warmer on the other side of the shop, but at least should be a little bit cooler here. I mean, that does sound like an unhappy compromise, like Mark was saying earlier, but um, you'd be surprised, especially if you do some research. Um, call Vic Hubbard. He's like Mr. Energy Efficient. Um, do some research and find the right unit. I think you'll be surprised at, at how energy efficient they can be. It is. I actually have, based on Vic's recommendations, I've got air conditioners in my shop and, and did some of the insulation and uh, prep work ahead of time as they were building it based on his recommendations. And it's been uh, it's been pretty reasonable. Now, I will say that we've gone to solar panels on our roof, so my bill is actually steady no matter what I do <laughs> at this point, which is really nice. But you, you brought up a really good point. Even in my shop where it's very well insulated uh, and, I don't, uh, and I've got air conditioning covering the entire thing, I actually only turn on the wall unit right next to my workbench. Um, and right. even when – because kind of when I'm on the other side of the shop, if it's a little bit warmer, I don't care. I mean I'm dirty. I'm getting hot and sweaty in general anyway, and I'm not trying to cool this place down like my living space. I just want it to be more comfortable than you know what it is outside. So I actually will do just that. The one right over my workbench is the one that stays on all the time. And then I kind of turn the other ones on as needed, if needed. And most of the time I don't, I just, the the place I'm spending the most time, if I have some cool air blowing there, it's amazing how that recharges you for the times when you're standing in the areas that aren't as cool. You know, it is kind of funny because actually I will say that in the height of the summer, it gets super, super muggy, Shannon, as you had mentioned earlier about people trying to get away from. And Personally, myself, I kind of do the thing where I have a I have a fan on a long extension cord, and where Matt goes, that, that fan follows. <laughs> Absolutely, and I always stay nice and it. comfortable that way. Yeah, and so uh, I, since I'm the only one in the shop, there's no reason why at the north end of the shop that needs to have the fan there. It should be blowing on me at all times. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, Matt. Sweet. All right. Well, we have this next question, and this is from Darth Rust, and Darth Rust says, Bubble. "You know," and I'm a little worried because if this was really, if, if Darth Rust was really. Um, uh, a Darth. It seems like he would not have any problems with this whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, he mentions true. a lot of things about the Force in here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, I'm starting to, to to wonder if he's maybe just faking it, using a false title. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Rust says, uh, "I'm building a vanity for my wife as a birthday present. She chose Hatoba as the material. It's beautiful stuff, but working with it is as fun as shaving the moss off a rock with a straight razor." Well, Amen, brother. It's one of those things that maybe you're in the wrong hobby if you're shaving moss off a rock with a straight razor. Sounds like a good know. time to me. I don't, it does. I, don't I think that's, ge- that's geology, isn't it? Anyways, uh, I, Russ says he's a, he has a solid plan for the basic casework of, for her. Sa- that, let me start that again. <laughs> I have a solid plan for, for the her satisfaction. To her satisfaction, which is strewn <laughs> with all manner of compound curves and nightmarish joinery. The mirrors, however, are the present problem. I've never incorporated glass of any manner into a project, and I'm stuck on a design that provides a central mirror with two adjustable side mirrors. I could simply frame them into a rabbit like a picture. However, I'm concerned this does not adequately address wood movement and the force 
involved in adjusting the angle of the side mirrors. I had thought of using the spacer balls from cabinet construction around the edge of the mirrors, then providing a back of half-inch Baltic birch. What would be sufficient strengthening stiffening to allow it to be adjusted by hand without flexing to the point of shattering? What hinges are appropriate for this situation? So, first of all, let's. I, this is one of those things. The key thing in here that I'm hearing is his concern about the wood movement and potentially maybe smooshing and crashing the the mirror or something. I did a, a quick little look on. Uh, let's see which app is this. It's the uh, I think it's the the Fine Woodworking app or the or excuse me the wood the Wood Whisperer app. I went in there. Wait, which, and the Woodshop widget are you talking about? That's the one. I have it right next to the Wood Whisperer one. Sorry about that, Mark. <laughs> that's okay. It's not my app, but go ahead. Yes. Okay. <laughs> they, they, they look really cute, though, together. Don't right they? Right next to each other. Yes. So I have both of them in right here. Anyways, I'm looking at wood movement. I go to Hatoba, and I put in the starting moisture. So let's say kiln dried, what, about 7%? Is that a, a good range we'll, we'll start at? Sure. Sure. 7 okay. 8, something like that. Yeah, so then, so we'll, we'll leave that there, and let's assume that it's always going to stay at the same percentage. Uh, if you start, most mirrors, uh, picture frames, I don't have very wide boards on here, so let's say at the most I have the width at approximately three inches. According to the uh, Woodshop widget here, uh, Flat Sawn Hatoba has a change of zero percent, or zero inches. The nearest fraction is zero uh, thirty seconds. So now let's bump up that humidity to nine percent it's really muggy summer uh it's a one thirty second of an inch basically it, it's it's not that big of a deal mm-hmm. so don't worry about the wood movement when you're at such a narrow board in fact i think when i was playing around with these numbers it wasn't until i got up to almost six inches wide and had a huge swing in the humidity before i even got to a point that i was even almost remotely concerned about it mm. so not worried about the wood movement when it comes to inserting the mirror or any type of glass, I always want to make sure that I have a way to get that out in case it gets broken. Actually, it's easy if it's broken because it just falls out. But I want to be able to get a new piece in there. So I'll probably end up just rabbiting the back of it and then using some sort of backer board. Well, this is best for a mirror. For a glass, if you're trying to look through at a backer board, it's not going to do anything for you. It's just going to block the view. But for the mirror, I'll put a backer board on there, and that will help to stiffen the whole entire frame. And then I'm not worried one bit if she decides to start spinning those things at all. I think if you do the joinery properly, uh, you will absolutely have nice, stiff frames. Oh, that sounds horrible. Uh, So there shouldn't be any issue there whatsoever. I do agree when it comes to the actual hinges. That's one of those you have to kind of search for some specialized ones. And I did find some over at Rockler. It's a rear-mounted swivel mirror hinge. And basically, it's kind of a, a, a dowel on uh, two hinges on kind of like a, a dowel. So it will spin all the way around. It's like a full 360, if I remember correctly. Uh, so you could go something along the lines of that. I made a spinning frame once, a picture frame for for my beautiful wife, who's amazing at all times, and she's not standing behind me right now, but I feel like I should put that out there for some <laughs> other things I had said. And all I did with those is I actually created a, uh, a hole up in the frame and on, on one on, on the top also and just inserted some dowels and it was able to spin around and it worked really good. And that was 10 years ago and it still spins today. Does it go ee, ee, and squeak when you spin it? Uh, yes. <laughs> Which is yes, what I absolutely. find. <laughs> Whatever I put, a, I put a dowel in a hole, it always wants to go wee, wee. Oh, wait, no, that's me going weak because I like to stand there and just spin it. Spin and it then around. Sam goes, you need to it get back in the shop. Keeps him busy for hours. That's right. <laughs> I, I would want to ask Russ why his wife's got to be so vain that she has to have three mirrors. What's up with that? 
You're terrible, Shannon. I know, I know. Oh, and and make sure that he does a, a marquetry inlay on the back of those mirrors. See the Hannah cabinet for inspiration. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. If you are going to use so he says like a half inch Baltic birch as the back. Um, if she's going to be spinning those around a lot, like she's really really bored, make it something pretty to look at. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Like one of those flip book cartoons. Since you got two of them, you could. Well, I wouldn't go very far. All right, this one comes from Joe. And I'm going to need your help on this, guys, because this is one of those visualize things with me. Hey, I want to make sure you that took this are... one, and I'm looking at it, going, "I hope he knows what he means." <laughs> yeah, I, when you take one, my plan is that you're going to talk. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll come back and help <laughs> with the right, contact information. Fine. All right, let's all try to do it together then. Joe yeah. says I'm making a bed frame, <clears throat> and since I like to make things hard on myself, I'm avoiding bed bolts and other mechanical fasteners. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> My my plan is to pass the rails through the legs and secure them with a wedge, but I don't want three to six inches of tenon sticking out ready to bust my shins in the middle of the night. So to solve this, I'm planning on having about one inch of tenon show through the leg and securing the tenon with a dovetail-shaped key. The key and the slot would have a taper so that I could wedge the tenon in as the seasons change. I've never seen a joint like this, but as far as I can tell, it should work pretty well. My prototype seems strong. Have any of you seen a joint like this? And do you have any thoughts? Um, first things first, because I'm in the middle of, of designing a bed and actually buying hardware right now. Um, one of the things of that, why bed bolts seem to come back when it comes to beds is it's not so much the strength, but the squeak factor. And you may insert whatever in you and we want to that. Beds go through a Hello. lot of stress. And the wood-to-wood joint that is meant to be knocked down will squeak. And why does that have to be knocked down? Well, because it's really hard to get a bed through a door frame unless you can break it apart into its components. Mm -hmm. Um, Four poster beds generally have to break entirely apart because you have to turn those long posts, you know, on end to get them through. If you have a short post bed, you could get away with permanently gluing together the headboard and the footboard, but the long rails still have to be knocked down a bowl or you'll never get it into the room in the first place or never get it out of the room unless you've got some sort of really, really low profile style of bed. So that's that's where those come from because they provide a way of making a really rigid connection without that wood-to-wood possible squeak that can develop. So that the reason I say that is that's my first possible reservation of this, yes, I think that joint will be secure, but there's always going to be that possibility that thing's going to squeak every time you roll over in the middle of the night because that dovetail-shaped wooden key is going to be rubbing against the the tenon. Now, as far as how this is actually working, my first thought was is he's creating like a tusk tenon, but this do- obviously a dovetail-shaped key wouldn't work. And he's only got instance. one inch protruding, so there's not very much to, to play with right. there. So is this dovetail key like coming in from the side and it's like flush with the side of the post? I can't quite picture how you use a dovetail shaped key that has a taper so that it can wedge in further. Um, just using a wedge is, is sufficient in this case, but one inch showing is not very much to look at. You're going to blow out the end grain on that, on that tenon, especially the more you drive that wedge in. So do you, can you guys picture where this dovetail thing comes into play? No. No, not and at all. Joe, yeah. if you can, send us a picture. We'd like to see what you're talking about with the prototype because uh, right. I'm a little bit confused on it as well. 
Yeah, um, it sounds really intriguing. So please send us a picture of this prototype because I, I'd really be curious. My initial thoughts, though, is that one inch is kind of skinny to be sticking through. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it depends upon you know the size of your your bed posts and i'm assuming he's going to glue the other direction like the headboard and footboard direction he's going to glue that make that permanently affixed because obviously if you've got two dovetail keys reaching through that doesn't work yeah two through ten ends generally doesn't work real well right (laughs) and joe the other thing to think about like shannon was saying the wear and tear on these things just because you can like whatever system you've come up with apparently it sounds like you can tighten things up you may find that you're tightening this thing up on a daily or weekly basis which make it old really fast Um, well here's a good example my spring pole lathe is done with a a wedged tusk tenon Mm -hmm. and my joinery bench has a trestle to it that also has a tenon the joinery bench i guess is now four years old and I had to remake a tenon the other day because it has gotten to the point where when I hammer it home, the tenon doesn't sit proud of the, of the, the mortise anymore. Yeah. It's, it's almost flush. My spring pole lathe is almost two years old now, and I can visibly see that that tenon sinks maybe a quarter of an inch to maybe three-eighths of an inch deeper than it did before. You know, And I'm talking um, the joiner bench is, is Douglas fir, so it's still pretty hard. My um, spring pole lathe is hard maple, so it's not like I'm using really, really soft woods here. It compresses a lot over time. Every time you bang that joint together, and these these um, these things don't get that much dynamic force on them uh, as you would expect on a bed. Yeah. Hmm. So please, please, Joe, send us the um, send us a picture of this prototype. Yeah, I want to see it. Sounds cool. You know, when I did the platform bed, this was for a customer who hates metal hardware. He just wants everything to be solid wood. I had to convince him to let me use bolts. And I just basically used some all thread and kind of made my own bed bolts. Mm-hmm. You can't see them. They're completely invisible. And I minimize the hardware as much as possible. Um, but those rails go into, you know, it's very large mortise and tenon joints that come together. But to hold them in place because it needs to be broken down, uh, I had to use bolts to do it. And it was the most sensible solution for, for me. And I convinced him that it was worthwhile for, for him as the person who's going to have to live with this thing for the rest of his life. Uh, and it worked out really, really well. So I, I personally could not find a way around uh, the hardware solution when I was doing a bed. And, well, well through, and through tenons weren't even an option for me on that one. So that was off the table. And that you know, was the this, same this, conclusion I came to in designing the bed that I'm about to build this summer. You know, mm-hmm. bed bolts are there for a reason. Yeah. They've been around for centuries. So it's yeah, not, I, it's I, not I a feeling, compromise. You're not a bad woodworker because you chose to use a mechanical fastener. I was going to say that it's probably one of those situations where, you know, a at a time when this was the only way you were able to do it or, you know, the way that a particular craftsman did it, I bet if faced with the opportunity to use a bolt, they'd be like, what? Yeah, let's grab that. <laughs> you know, while we were talking about this, I did just a quick search to see if I could find anything that would remotely come close to what we're trying to envision here. And I did find uh, something at timber, timber, timberframetools.com. And there is a a mortise and tenon joinery that looks exactly or it sounds very similar to what he is trying to describe what Joe's describing here. And it more or less just sounds like just another form of a, of a wedge that would, when put together with the tenon, would have that dovetail shape as the final shape of the tenon that's sticking out. Hmm. Hmm. So if you hmm. can imagine the key just slightly angled a little bit. So it really is kind of 
At least that's that's what I'm seeing here. Maybe this is what what Joe was trying to describe. In but, my yeah. head, I'm seeing Bob Lang's 21st Century Workbench. Um, I'm going yeah. back a couple of years here, but okay, he yes. had his his stretchers came in from the side, and the wedge itself was like half the dovetail. Yes, that's so that's it, what I'm looking at too. Yeah, the tenon itself had say the tail on the bottom, but it was straight on the top, and mm-hmm. the wedge came in and completed the dovetail. Um, and Roy Underhill does the same thing on his spring pole lathe now, but even then. That also, the rest of his description sounds like a tusk tenon to me. So I'm, I'm kind of at odds. I'm at odds with myself. I'm confusing myself. <laughs> <laughs> happens a lot. Okay. I'll send along this picture to you. Maybe we can work this one out. And if Joe sends us some more information, maybe the kickback or something, we yeah. can address it there. But I, I, I am totally with you guys. If I have an opportunity to use mechanical anything on something like a bed, I am so going for it. In fact, this might be my suggestion is use the uh, bed bolt. And then if you want to hide it with like, say, a dovetail wedge or something, put a magnet on the back of it and just put it in place and nobody will ever see it. (laughs) Perfect. It's perfect. Hidden bed. Well, and considering like a lot of our questions, I think this came in like two months ago. (laughs) We're just now getting to it. (laughs) So, Joe, tell us what you ended up doing. (laughs) Joe's left the hobby already and he's he's like those guys never answered my question i can't build a bed now he's moved on to golf and uh yeah all right well you know guys there are times when i'm walking down the street and people i don't even know they go like hey mark how can i support wood talk i'm like you guys don't ever listen to the show because at the end of the show i always tell you how you could support us yeah, I was going to say, only because that right medication there. you've been taking is expired, and those are just voices in your head. <laughs> that could be that, too. Uh, well, there's a couple different ways you could support us. You could set up a recurring or one-time donation, uh, woodtalkshow.com. Look on the left-hand column. You'll see some links for that stuff. We always appreciate it. You could also buy a Wood Talk t-shirt at twwstore.com. Those are really spiffy. They look really nice. High-quality oh, t-shirts. so good on you, too. It's mm-hmm. amazing. They sure All do. Of- awesome you look with those true true and also for folks who use itunes you could leave us an itunes review just uh, look us up in the store click on ratings and reviews and give us a five-star rating just like scuba steve az did uh, <gasps> scuba steve i love scuba steve is there any place to scuba dive in arizona yeah isn't there aren't there like blue holes or something blue holes is that what he is that what he left as his comment Subterranean caves or something I don't know. like that i don't know what do i know i just live here uh, he says, I, be- cool. I began my love of woodworking 26 years ago with seventh grade shop. It continued all the way through high school with many summers spent in my great grandfather's shop. A brief hiatus from woodworking ended after I got out of the Navy and constructed a garage shop at my house in Arizona. I made the tough decision to sell 75% of my shop tools when my wife and I moved back to Ohio. Seven years and four kids later, I'm rebuilding my garage shop. I discovered Mark in December on YouTube and I've been watching as many episodes as I can since then. Uh, you, you should also check out Matt and Shannon's, uh, or, uh, yeah, I, why did I think I said that wrong? Yeah, Matt and Shannon's videos. <laughs> I went to correct myself and I'm like, wait, I said that right. In his head, he was thinking dumb and dumber. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's what it is. Uh, Lloyd and uh, what's his, the other guy's name? Um, I forget. Anyway. Moron. Uh, I finally started listening to Wood Talk this week. What a great show and a great way to consume content while driving. The many miles I do each week would absolutely recommend the show to anyone with even a remote interest in woodworking. Well, thank you so much, Scuba Steve, no longer AZ, now in Ohio. Nice. Always appreciate it. I thought he was going to say he recommends it to anybody that he really doesn't like. Yes. Anybody who uh, is hard of hearing will love this this podcast. Uh, All right, Matt, how about you give him the contact info and we'll get out of here. 
All right, folks. Hey, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? There's several different ways to contact us. And at some point within the next 18 months, we might actually answer your email. Uh, you can leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. And don't let our mean comments scare you off from leaving those voicemails. We have to have something to laugh at. Just kidding. We love hearing from you. I'm blaming that on Shannon. I'm not, I'm not taking too. the blame for that. <laughs> Like I said, every time we go someplace with him, we're the ones that are always like, I'm so sorry. We're so, I'm sorry. so sorry. We're sorry about that guy. He's not even drunk either. That's what's the scary part we, about we this. We barely is. know him. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so anyways, email us at... We recorded the end of a long day. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not what your wife was telling us. So anyways, you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or, down- show notes or downloads from today's show or previous... previous, Oh my God, Shannon, you've thrown me off. Work it out, Matt. Work it out. Oh, I'm so upset. With you the got this, buddy. Listeners. <laughs> you, you got it. All right. So if you have a <laughs> looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. And as Mark mentioned, we have our own individual sites. There's the woodwhisper.com for Mark, renaissancewoodworker.com for Shannon, and mattsbasementworkshop.com for me. And we also have a forum over at woodtalkonline.com, which, well, Shannon goes over there. So go and visit with him. Go see Shannon over in the forum. <laughs> I haven't been there in like a week and a half. Yeah. <laughs> okay, never mind. Generally, generally I like forum bomb it for like an afternoon, you know, yeah. and then go away for a month. That's the, way to, <laughs> that's the way to do it, frankly. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.